This is Three Women and a Bottle of Wine. Three friends. Three former TV reporters. And one bottle of wine. Delving into whatever interests us. News, not news. What affects our lives? Because it's probably affecting yours too. I'm Kim Inslee. I'm Lynn Melling. And I'm Julie Barkey. And now on with the pod. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Three Women and a Bottle of Wine, Stay at Home Edition. I'm Julie Bartke. And I'm Lynn Melling. We are recording through Zoom today because right now we are still under a shelter-at-home order due to the COVID concerns. Mm-hmm. I'm Kim Inslee, and this whole COVID thing is one reason why we invited our guest, Roshini Rajkumar, to join us today. And Roshini is a former journalist. She's a longtime businesswoman founder of Roshini Performance Group, and she's a strategic communication and crisis coach for C-suite executives, also host of Real Talk with Roshini on WCCO Radio, and Real Leaders with Roshini Podcasts. So she is all over the media. Roshini, it's so good to see you. We can actually see you because of Zoom. And I she, know. And you look beautiful over Zoom. I haven't oh, washed my thank hair you. in three days and you look lovely. <laughs> Part of being an ex-TV reporter <laughs> is you remember lighting is everything. <laughs> Three-point lighting, baby. That's right. <laughs> yeah, I've kind of given up on this whole thing, truly. So I should first say, Roshini, first up, how are you doing with all of this madness around us, all the craziness that is our world today? You know, I'm doing pretty well. It's challenging because I am the textbook definition of an extrovert. So really ordering me to stay at home. um, It's challenging for my husband because he's like, why are you here? You know, he's used to me also being out at all these meetings and lunches. And a lot of my work gets done over business lunches or business happy hours, which I know you, t- you three know a little bit about. Um, and so the fact is that every day my main excursion is maybe going to Starbucks drive through and getting something, checking the mail and coming home. That's the excursion <laughs> I look forward to every day. That is night and day for me. Now, the good news is we can still go outside and exercise. So I try to get my runs in five to six times a week if possible. And that's very helpful. It's really important. <laughs> Roshini, I'm really interested in your website, the whole own your own wow or own your wow. Own your wow, exactly. .com, yeah. So I want to know how it is that you own your wow and how can you help those of us who feel like we just rent ours? <laughs> well, I and you three are amazing ladies. So all of you absolutely have the right to own your wow and show it off. You know, the thing is people tend to feel some various levels of, oh, I need to be modest or I can't brag. And it's, I like the term showcase. So if you're thinking about showcasing either yourself or your team, if you're a boss, uh, or even your team, if you're a colleague and you want to showcase the work of your colleagues, that's really a good way to look at it. And when we showcase, we truly become these brand ambassadors for our own brands, which is ourselves, as well as our organizational brands. And in your case, you three have your organizational brands, but you also have this podcast. It is now one of your brands. And so when you talk about it, when you brag about it, when you tweet about it, you're not bragging or being immodest. You're showcasing the brand that is three women and a bottle of wine, right? And it's important that you showcase because you're your best PR machine. You got to get the word out there. And I'm not trying to dominate this conversation. I'm sorry, but I'm just so curious because now with so many people laid off 
furloughed, what, what, however we want to frame it, how, you know, how has that elevated that, that sense of you need to own your wow? You know, it's so important, Julie, because it can also give you an area of comfort if you're thinking, wow, the sky is falling. Instead, let's look within. And it's really a three-part process. So the first step in owning your wow is to identify your differentiators. So what is that unique thing or things that you are known for? And you really are known for things. And if you're having trouble identifying those, ask around, ask your colleagues, ask your partner, ask your family. You will find out if you're, wow, I'm a great listener, or I really am handy in the kitchen. Whatever those things are, those are your differentiators. And you can decide whether you're kind of doing this assessment on your personal side or on your business side. So if we're thinking about it kind of in a work mode, what are your differentiators? And when I left TV news to start my business now more than 14 years ago, eventually I got to this place in pretty short order where I decided I wanted to be the word for presence. And why presence? Because people were coming to me asking, can you help with my executive presence? Can you help with leadership presence? Can you help my salespeople with powerful presence? And presence just kept on coming up and up and up. And so I made an intention. I want to be the name in presence. And presence is how you deliver, how you show up, how you look, how you sound. There's so much to it. And I really studied what I meant about it. And I created these materials to teach others. So, and that, and own your wow eventually came out of that. It's a deeper learning on presence. So what are your differentiators? So, you know, as we go through this, maybe each of you can write down your own things. What are those differentiators that each of you bring? That's step one. Then step two, it's mastering that. So I'm a strategist. So everything about strategy is like, that's where I get so excited. And it's really my superpower. You know, you tell me something and I'm going to give you three ways to strategize that to get the word out about it or to do it like no one else could do it, but you really got to master it and you return to masteries. You're always learning, but before you can own your wow and own that differentiator, you have to really be a master of that differentiator. So for example, let's do the opposite. I will never be a master in the kitchen ever. Can't cook, don't want to cook, can get by. Luckily, my husband is a gourmet cook, so I don't need to really know much when it comes to this. That's good strategy. It's mm-hmm. great. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Uh, Does he have a brother? <laughs> <laughs> Who happens to be a trained chef, yes. But he's married, Julie. <laughs> yes, my husband, it's his hobby. He happens to be a gourmet chef, a cook, which is great. But so you, you really master whatever that differentiation is. And for me, it's presence and strategy because that's what I'm trying to bring to my clients. And then once you're in that place where you really feel a master of your differentiators, then it's time to showcase what they are. And to get back to your initial question, no matter whether we're in COVID times or others, that's when it matters that you really understand your differentiator so you can showcase it either in your regular course of business or when you need to pivot, when we're in crises crisis kind of situations, and you still need to make a living, still need to provide for your family, still need to have a purpose every day, we can sort of rest in the fact 
that we have these differentiators that we now need to just push ourselves to showcase. You don't necessarily need to completely reinvent yourself. Chances are it's within you. So how do you, do you have any tips on how to showcase? Because a lot of people, especially women, worry that they're being, you know, they're bragging. Um, do you have any tips or tricks for people on how to, you know, do it in a savvy way that doesn't come across as brash or in your face? The thing is, we just have to get over feeling like we're <laughs> sure. being immodest and bragging. Because frankly, like when I, you know, Kim and I have a fun time going to lunch, I don't want to hear Kim spend the whole time at lunch saying like, woe is me, I'm not good enough, this or that. No, I want Kim to show up at lunch, which is what she does. She's excited. She's excited about a new project. She's telling me about it. And I feed off of that energy. She's not being you know, like brash. She's just sharing how her talents are being used in this way at her company. That's exciting. I can be happy for her. So at the end of the day, I'm not jealous in any way. I'm excited for her showcasing of her wow. Just so like, when, that, yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. Is that almost the key though, is to find the women around you who support you and don't, um, don't, don't try to turn something around and make it appear as though you are bragging. You know, I, I, I see it's almost like a know your audience situation. Would you agree with that statement or can anybody be your audience? Yeah. I mean, it, it's, you know, there are going to be certain times like the three of you, you're so close. You can say certain things to each other and you know, it's not coming across in a negative way because you know each other so well and you're huge enthusiasts for one another. But if you're in a new group, you may not lead with some of those showcasey kind of lines. You'll assess the audience a little bit before you get into it. But, you know, I do this really easy quiz. I call it my wow factor quiz with clients, with other people. I'm going to be part of a guest on a webinar on Friday morning. I'm going to give that person's audience the wow quiz. And if you were to rate yourself on a scale of one to 10, being the powerful presence scale, 10 being the highest, what would you give yourself? Okay, so let me let's just ask each of you. Kim, don't overthink it. What would you give yourself? I'd say an eight. Lynn. Oh man, right now looking at myself in the Zoom camera, like no, no, don't do that. Just <laughs> think of normal times. What would you give yourself? Um, you know, I don't know. I'm gonna say like a six. Okay, five Julie. and a half, six. I would so disagree with Lynn's statement. I'd put Lynn at an eight. I'd <laughs> yeah. give myself a seven or an eight, depending on the situation. And okay. both of you are people who contacted me out of the blue to connect. I mean, that's presence, right? That and we got you exactly. drunk and we got you to agree to <laughs> Yeah, there was that. <laughs> that happened. So but. wine had something to do <laughs> right. with it. I like it. Um, <laughs> you, you know, this brings up something, though, Rashini, I want to ask you. Um, women have a problem with this, right? Mm -hmm. But conversely... A woman who does show up with a, with a strong presence isn't always received in the same way that a man who shows up with a strong presence. And I don't want to say, oh, woe is us women, you know, poor us. Do you think that is changing I'm, generationally, perhaps? I don't know. I, I feel like it is, but I do think it's still something that's talked about. I hope it's changing, Kim. I really hope it's changing. And sometimes it seems like other women are the biggest culprits of doing that to women. Yes. Men uh, are not sitting there saying, mm -hmm. oh no, Kim, you're really not an eight, you're a six. They're like, Kim, <laughs> actually, Kim, I think you're a 10. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, I mean, 
there were times when I first started my business at the time, my now husband was my boyfriend and we were kind of in early stages of dating. And um, he said, I remember specifically this one time when I was a finalist, two big finalists for a big media coaching project. And we were out to dinner and I said, well, I'm going to talk to the guy tomorrow. I'm going to find out, you know, and I hope I didn't overprice it. He goes, are you the best at what you did? What, what you do? And I said, yes. He goes, well, why would you ever worry about price? Mm. You know, so this is so true. And he was always in my mind. It, it comes back and, ba and back to me, his words, don't ever discount, don't ever work for free. You know, these are his words, someone who at that time hadn't known me for very long, mm -hmm. you know? So if we go back to your wow factor number, so you gave yourself a range of uh, six to eight, and I would give all of you at least a nine, if not a 10, because the <laughs> flip side of this is, completely goes to your inner narrative. So if you're giving yourself a six, your clients, your family, your prospects are probably expecting a 10. What are you leaving on the table yeah. when you give yourself a six? So that's why it's called the powerful presence scale. It has nothing to do with how confident you feel one day or how great your hair looks. It's how do you own your own space? And that's why it gets to this whole own your wow process. Because if you start where you can say to yourself, I'm a nine, I'm a 10. Look, I'm always a 10. Some days I'm a 10 minus, some days I'm a 10 plus. But love I'm always that. a 10. I love and some, that. Some days I'm in the back of the room watching Kim on stage, and I'm applauding her, but I'm still a 10. Kim can be on stage, I'm still a 10, right? Yeah. So that's what I would love for more people, yeah. but especially women. Yes. Do not apologize. You have differentiators. Own them first, master them, showcase them, and then that is the recipe for owning your wow. And I truly believe, and I'm not being like, lame. I'm saying this is a recipe for world peace. If each of us could own our wow, then we are just excited about everyone else owning their wow. Mm -hmm. And we're excited about, you know, Australia doing its thing, France doing its thing, China doing its thing, and we're all owning our wows. Yeah. What's the saying? Blowing out your candle doesn't make mine burn brighter. Is that the... <laughs> That's a good That's one. It's a good saying. I like that. I like mm -hmm. it a lot. Um, mm -hmm. You know, we were talking uh, a few days ago and you know, Julie, I'm just going to throw this out and you can tell me to be quiet if you need me to be quiet. But the idea of knowing your worth and being in a situation where you say your worth, and, and I won't have you repeat what it was, but Julie did that and it, you know, received positively, I hope. And oftentimes, don't you think us women tend to devalue? Like I was telling mm -hmm. Kim and Lynn, I could fight for them easily. I could pitch sand to a desert. I could get them what they need. But when it came to trying to ask for more money or something that reflects the role that I'm currently in at work, it's so hard to fight for yourself sometimes. It's almost like, well, why aren't you just acknowledging that I'm doing all this work and just, you know, paying me appropriately? So it gets very hard for somebody like me to promote myself. I don't you know. And I think we all, all of us need to understand that no is an option. So you can go for something and you may not get the result you want, but that doesn't take away from how amazing you are. It just means, hey, you tried, you learned in that process, and maybe right now isn't the time for the raise or the promotion, but whomever you asked it, you know, asked of it is going to remember you asked. And when you go back in two months, 
with more uh, of an arsenal, <laughs> then maybe they can't say no that second time. Mm-hmm. But like, if you don't ask and if you don't fight for yourself, then no one's going to just come mm-hmm. in. Hey, you know, Julie, you've worked here how many years? I just think, you know, I'm going to give you a raise right now. It just doesn't happen like that. Yeah. It's but rare it anyway. But it should. It's rare. Especially <laughs> for you, Julie. It really should. But it's rare <laughs> that that happens. And don't you think it's the fear of failure? It's the fear of the no. And I think so many of us, we just have to get over the fear and be ready to embrace the failure. Can you talk about the importance of failing and the whole growth mindset thing? Like this for me has just been a revolution in my life in the last, actually it was my son's third grade teacher who finally helped me understand what growth mindset means. So you had to go back to third grade? (laughs) Yes. I didn't learn it the first time around apparently. Um, but I think, you know, there's this fear of failure, but really that's how you grow and that's how you reach your full potential. Right. And I, a mentor said this line that I often recite, which is there are no failures. There are only wins and learnings. And anytime you attempt something or it just didn't go your way, you learn from that because you look at, well, what could I have done for it to go my way? Or, you know what, this door closed over here, but it was because I was supposed to be over here, or it was supposed to give me the latitude to be able to travel more or do something else that if I had actually gotten that and it had landed the way I planned, maybe would have kept me from some other really amazing things. So you just kind of have to um, be easy, show yourself some grace. And I cannot express enough how much it's part of my mission in this whole own your wow journey. And that's my tagline to get people over this issue of, Oh, it's not humble or, Oh, I'm bragging it. You know, you're going to die one day. Don't you want to live every minute that you're on this earth owning your wow and using the wow to the advantage of others. And that's the thing when you own it. I mean, I cannot tell you, I feel very strongly about the work I do as a strategist and an executive coach that there's no one who can do it better than I. There might be people who can do it as well as I can, exactly what I do. There are not many people who do exactly what I do, but I don't, I truly in my heart do not think anyone can do it better. Now, I might not be the coach for everyone, but when I am your coach, there's no one who can do it better. And because I feel that way, and that's my inner narrative, I'm bringing my A-plus game to my clients. And that's what they're paying me for. That's what they need psychologically. And I can say, I did not leave anything on the table. I am here fully to make you look, sound better, to strategize better, to pump up right? And I feel so good about that. And it's really rewarding. So when you own your wow, the kind of results you can deliver to others, it's not about you, but you have to showcase what you do bring to the table in order to do that kind of work and to do it at that top notch 10 level. Oh, I have goosebumps. Okay. We unfortunately need to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Three Women and a Bottle of Wine is supported by 515 Productions. 515 Productions is a video production business with base camps in Minneapolis and Des Moines, Iowa. Ian, who's so great, and his crew understand the art of creative storytelling, and they know how to make video look really, really good. Learn more at 515productions.com. 
Our logo was created by Aaliyah DeSalt, a creativity guru offering art workshops to everyone from business executives to book clubs because we all have untapped creative potential just waiting to be unleashed. You can find her contact information on our website. You can stay up to date on our podcast by checking out our website, threewomenandabottleofwine.com. You can also connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, where you'll find behind-the-scenes photos and, of course, much, much more. Be sure you don't miss an episode. Subscribe to our show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back, everybody. It's time for our final flight, where we'll learn a little bit more about our guests with three quick response questions. All right, you've interviewed a lot of people in your time. What was one of your favorite interviews and why? Oh my gosh, that is a tough one, Julie. I have interviewed some amazing people. Uh, I will have to say a memorable one was Patti LaBelle. (gasps) No way. Yeah, and you know, and Kim can probably say, and you, you know, because in media, I'm really not impressed or intimidated by anyone. I've interviewed so many different kinds of people, rock stars, celebrities, politicians, uh, would-be presidents. And I interviewed her. She was my very last interview, my very last story as a TV news reporter in Detroit in 2006 before I moved home to start my business. And I'm telling you, we were like this close in her like six-inch long false eyelashes were on <laughs> and she just had like beautiful skin and just it's Patty LaBelle. Yeah. You know? And it was one of those stories that it was supposed to be a big celebration of some of the Motown greats. And so I got to interview some of the original temptations, Patty mm-hmm. LaBelle. Um, but Richard Pryor had died like either that morning or the day before. Mm-hmm. So then it turned into get all their reactions about him dying. I'm like, Oh great. Now it turns into that story. But anyway, I got to interview her. It was really amazing. I don't even remember what we talked about, but <laughs> other than Richard Pryor, but it was just like to look at this icon and you know, a combination of mixed feelings, knowing that was my last story as a TV reporter, as I was going out into the unknown to start my business. I always have such peace that, you know, I went out of the TV news world on like such a high, you know, in the Detroit TV market and with Patti LaBelle. So. Wow. Well done. Thank you. All right. So I'm going to turn the tables a little bit. You said you are not good in the kitchen. So can you talk about your favorite meal? Dying to know, so you can't cook maybe, but obviously you love to eat. I love to eat. I'm a foodie. We kind of grew up with my parents. My mom was a good cook too, but going out to eat a lot too. So I could eat every meal out if you let me. No one can believe that, but I really could. My favorite meal though is happy hour. (laughs) I like that. I love it because they can be personal. They can be business. They can be a blend. Yeah. And people look forward to happy hour, no matter mm-hmm. what, across the board. And if you go to the right places, it can become dinner. So it really is a meal. But um, people are looser. It's just, I think you get to see different sides of people. And I mean, my husband, don't get me wrong, he can make a great happy hour here at home. But as a meal, that is my favorite meal. So I that just, gets back to the social thing. You love the social aspect of it. I love the social. And, you know, in any given week, I've got two to three business slash social happy hours because clients have become friends, friends become clients. I mean, when you're at happy hour with someone, 
you know, you got a glass of wine or vodka soda in your hand. I mean, not a lot can be really bad in life at that moment. <laughs> right. <laughs> and you do celebrate your clients. I will say that nobody celebrates her clients like you do. Okay. Last Kim was at the Lucky 13 party last year, my 13th so anniversary. <laughs> and Kim was there and that, that was very fun. Yeah. You got to celebrate the moments. I mean, that's, that's a big, important thing, no matter what. And I know you three with your podcast, I know you do a lot of celebrating. It's important. It's really important. We do. You know, important things are this time in particular, people are kind of reassessing what's important in their life. So it's a different time for all of us. What time, what is going to stick with you, Roshini, when this is all done? What is a takeaway that you will have? You know, people are really resilient. And I'm seeing that across the board with clients, with friends. I'm so impressed. I mean, we're happy to have our kids are grown and out of the house. Young kids at home. I mean, my God, you deserve an Oscar. I mean, this is just, I don't know how you do it if you have young kids at home and have to work also and, and all of that. But I will say like, just to get back to my husband for a moment, I have always appreciated um, the cooking aspect of, of him. It's a big way that he shows love. But I have found it even more special during this time because I've needed that nourishment he makes me breakfast every morning. We usually have dinner together. Um, it's kind of a joke because he's so used to me not being around. Um, he offices at home. So that has not been a big adjustment for him. The big adjustment has been I'm usually out for lunches. And so if I like, you know, at 10 o'clock on a Tuesday say, well, what's, what's for lunch today? He's like, I don't do lunches. <laughs> So that a couple weeks ago <laughs> erupted into something. So um, now... I do my own lunches, and even if that means the dinner he made the night before, we set aside so I can warm up lunch. But I really appreciate that nourishment because I'm finding when you don't have the commute time, you're actually doing more back-to-back-to-back-to-back things. I'm really exhausted, and if I didn't have that good nourishment to start the day or that great dinner to look forward to in the evening, um, I couldn't do all the things I need to do to get through these times right now. All right, Roshini, this was a fantastic conversation. We really appreciate you joining us in such a unique way. Thank you, ladies. You were fabulous. Thank you so much for joining us. Listeners, thank you for listening in, and we'll see you next time on Three Women and a Bottle of Wine. Cheers, everybody. Be safe. Cheers. Cheers.